Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, we did not expect much out of the wheat crop this year, and we didn't get much in certain areas of the state, especially areas that got too much rain. But if you look up in the panhandle, the wheat crop there came out a little better than expected. We'll take a closer look at that to kick off today's show. Also, African swine fever has made its way into the Western Hemisphere. It's been reported in the Dominican Republic, and that has the Texas hog industry on high alert. We'll take a closer look at that issue coming up in just a bit. My name's Carrie Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In a year that began with significant drought concerns for much of the Texas High Plains, we now find ourselves with some areas where maybe too much rain has fallen. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The challenges of farming from planting to harvest time. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. No one expected much from the 2021 Texas wheat crop, but in the northern panhandle, the crop came out much better than expected. Ockletree County agent Scott Strawn says it was a very pleasant surprise, especially when you consider how late the harvest was drawn out. Well, the wheat harvest finished up, and I think it's the latest I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And it went up into July 20th for several people, but around July 15th, a lot of people wrapped up, but it's the latest I've ever seen. But the yields were great. They were actually better than expected. April was pretty tough as far as dry weather, but a lot of this dryland wheat still made 30, 40 bushel. Some made 50. Of course, the irrigated naturally made 60, 70. And so the yields were good. We also have the results from our variety trial, and the yields were good on that. And Yes, this harvest was drawn out, but the price was good, and I think everyone came out pretty good overall. Strawn says he's expecting a lot of wheat to go in the ground soon, given both the high wheat prices and the profit potential for stocker cattle this winter. Prices are still holding pretty strong on our grain crops, so we're expecting, again, a lot of interest in wheat. Plus, this cattle market's looking positive for this fall and winter. Some of the projections on these stockers, these light cattle that can go in on wheat this fall, are looking really positive. USDA released the latest cattle on feed report Friday, showing the number of cattle in feedlots going down. Jessica Domel takes a look at the numbers. True to analyst expectations, the number of cattle and calves on feed in Texas and U.S. feedlots fell last month. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 2.72 million head of cattle on feed in Texas feedlots August 1st. That's down 5% from the same time last year. 
Producers in Texas placed 370,000 head in commercial feedlots in July. That's down 11 percent. Texas commercial feeders marketed about 410,000 head in July, down 13 percent from the same time last year. The U.S. cattle on feed inventory fell 1.9% last month to 11.07 million head. The American Farm Bureau Federation attributes the decline to normal seasonal trends. That, combined with lower cattle placements, will likely lead to a tighter market in the first part of next year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The recent discovery of African swine fever in the Dominican Republic has the U.S. pork industry on high alert. Angela Lackey, Assistant Executive Director for the Texas Animal Health Commission, says the disease has been present in the Western Hemisphere in the past, so there are plans in place to protect the Texas hog industry. But at this point, there are a lot of unknowns. Texas has been preparing for ASF and other foreign animal diseases for years. And when doing so, we plan for the worst case scenario because we don't know how quickly it would spread or how hard it would hit Texas. So if we had a crystal ball and we knew how hard it would hit, um, it would certainly help with our planning efforts. However, we really just don't know. There are over one million hogs produced here in Texas with millions more feral swine spread throughout the state making it very important to be vigilant when it comes to African swine fever. There is swine all over the state of Texas, and our commercial industry is primarily concentrated in the panhandle and is an important part of the High Plains regional swine industry, which includes the other states of Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma. They're all linked together, and they're also linked with other concentrated pork production areas in the Midwest and the Southeast. Another important segment of the swine industry of Texas is the transitional swine industry that make up show pigs, niche markets, um, supplemental income for families. And we're also home to 5 million feral swine, which complicates the picture when we think about disease spread. When you still look at maps of the population spread of feral swine, it doesn't appear that they are up in the Texas Panhandle. Um, I used to live up in that area, and while I never saw them as readily as I do down in central Texas, there were indications that there are feral swine um, even up in the Panhandle. And Lackey adds that while African swine fever is a devastating disease for hogs, it's not dangerous to humans or food safety. This is not a disease that can spread to humans by contact with swine or through eating pork, and therefore is not a food safety concern. The devastation for people surrounds the potential lack of availability of pork for our consumption and how it would affect all commodity markets potentially. Also, the financial devastation for pork producers is astronomical as there is no current swine vaccine available um, for ASF. Antibiotics are not effective against viruses and antiviral agents are not widely used in, in animals, especially in food production. I'm not aware of any that are used. Dr. Angela Lackey, Assistant Executive Director of the Texas Animal Health Commission. We started this year with widespread drought. Now we find several areas of the state that got too much rainfall. James Hunt tells us that may be the case in some parts of the High Plains. For Chandler Bowers and his family who farm and ranch in the Pampa and Hansford County areas, dry conditions have certainly not been a problem this growing season. We've got one farm that we're up to since that end of June, uh, that last week of June, 
there was a seven-day period in there that we had 11 inches in seven days, and that farm altogether right now is sitting at about oh, 16 inches since the end of June, and obviously we had rain before then, so we're a good bit above our average rainfall for the year already. On the positive side, Bowers says the large amount of rain has meant being able to grow a good-looking corn crop while cutting back on irrigation. But although he's optimistic that a good September will help things turn out for the better, the cool, wet conditions this season have created some concern for him when it comes to his cotton. And then there's the situation with his hay. We're definitely going to be short on our tonnage on our alfalfa. The way it looks right now, there's a little bit of a possibility we may just have four cuttings instead of five. It stayed so wet that first cutting, we, well, the first two cuttings, we let them go a little longer than what we normally would because of the rain. And on one of the fields, we laid it down anyways because it was getting so gloomy. And then it wound up getting rained on, and it wasn't real good hay by the time we got it put up. So it's been a challenge. But ironically, even with such challenges, Chandler Bowers says with wheat planting approaching, a little more precipitation is actually needed. We don't need much. All we need is just to freshen up so we can make sure we get wheat pasture up. And speaking of pasture, as for the cattle side of the family's operations, Chandler Bowers says... The cattle look great. Prices aren't terrible. The all-natural cattle are still doing pretty good for everything considered. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, 2021 has been a year full of challenges, and that's definitely apparent as harvest starts to move through our state. Tom Nicoletti reports. Challenges are always part of farming. This is certainly the case for one Central Texas family farm in McGregor. Shanna Weathorn explains some of those challenges during corn harvest time. It's a struggle. It really is because, I mean, the price of equipment keeps rising, the price of fertilizer keeps rising, the price of seed keeps rising. It is really a struggle. Then you got to worry about paying landlords and also being able to have enough saved up to be able to pay for next year's crop as well and next year's fertilizer. But we try to make it work as much as we can. Thank goodness for crop insurance. That has helped us out tremendously with when we do have a bad year. 2021 was crazy, as everybody knows, in the state of Texas. Back when we had the big freeze in February, our wheat crop was in the ground at, you know, a lot of people had oats as well. It turned everything just brown. I wasn't expecting that, but I mean, it looked horrible. I, I honestly thought it was dead, but it, eventually it came back. It came out of it. It greened back up. They always say snow on wheat means money. And so we actually did have a pretty decent wheat crop this year, considering everything that it had to go through. So luckily that, and then, you know, of course we got, we were able to get our corn in. It wasn't too wet for us to be able to get it in. We got it in and then rain just hit at the right times and it just, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. You know, when there's rain, you have to work. You have to work as, as fast and as hard and, and as long as you possibly can to be able to get it in before the rain, you know, comes or get it out before the rain comes, like what we're having to deal with right now in August. But we have to deal with that. You have to deal with um, equipment breaking. You know, when you have this good of a crop, the equipment is constantly breaking, which is, you know, it's a good thing, but it's, it's a pain. But I'll be glad to deal with that to be able to get a corn crop like this any year, any year. That is Central Texas farmer Shanna Weathorn. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The deadline for a program that allows extended hunting seasons and liberal bag limits is approaching. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And some horses hold their tails to the side when moving. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at what that could mean coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some horses hold their tails to the side when moving. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us that this could mean some of those horses may be lame. Horse's tail is controlled by several different muscles, and as the horse moves at a walk and trot, the tail oscillates symmetrically from side to side. In non-lame horses, researchers from the University of Cambridge indicate normal movement of the lower back is symmetrical at a trot. Hind limb lameness may induce asymmetry of movement and can affect movement of the tail. It is believed some horses exhibit a crooked tail carriage by holding their tail to one side with hind limb lameness and can be associated with performance-related problems. To determine the importance of crooked tail findings, a study was performed in the United Kingdom on 500 lame horses and 200 non-lame horses. Results indicated that crooked tail carriage occurred more frequently in lame horses compared to non-lame horses. However, the direction of the tail was not correlated with the side of lameness. There were more horses with a crooked tail deviated to the left side versus the right side, which could be due to rider asymmetry. Crooked tail carriage was associated with sacroiliac joint region pain and increased tension of the muscles in the upper back, but not pain in the upper back. And when horses with a crooked tail were placed in a circle, the crooked tail carriage increased in the direction of the crooked tail. However, using local anesthesia to numb the pain from the lameness did not resolve the crooked tail. It also appears there are other variables other than lameness affecting tail carriage, But if you have a horse that is carrying the tail to one side or the other and it is crooked, it is possible the horse may also be lame. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The deadline for a program that allows extended hunting seasons and liberal bag limits is approaching. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Time is running out for Texas landowners to take advantage of a conservation program that allows extended hunting seasons and liberal bag limits. Sign up for the Managed Lands Deer Program Harvest Option ends on September 1st. MLDP fosters and supports sound management and stewardship of native wildlife and wildlife habitat on private property in Texas. One way it does that is by allowing enrolled landowners to take advantage of longer hunting seasons and property-specific harvest opportunities. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the harvest option is the do-it-yourself option. They can participate in the harvest option, which allows an automated tag issuance based on the property bounty where the landowner is and some habitat information, as well as deer population data that our biologists collect for our regulatory surveys. And so we kind of apply that across the landscape, and then the computer system will generate a tag issuance for that property. And so it's a one-time issuance, and it doesn't require anything other than laying on a report, the harvest and the seeds. And so it's pretty simple. The option does include general guidance about wildlife and wildlife habitat management. It does not require habitat management practices, deer population data, or the participant to work directly with a TPWD wildlife biologist. 
For a standalone property, cost is $30 per management unit. Aggregate sites are $30. Again, the deadline to sign up is September 1st. You can sign up on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply search Managed Lands Deer Program. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed rate in the cattle complex after that big run-up we had on Monday. We also saw higher prices for both cotton and corn. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed rate in the cattle complex on Tuesday. We finished with August live cattle down 65 cents, 125.80. The October down 25, 131.70. December live cattle up 57 cents, 137.40. Same story on feeder cattle. The nearby August was up 37, 158.57. September feeders down $1.52 at 165.77. October feeder cattle down 45 cents at 170. 22. Cash fed cattle trade still fairly quiet as we near midweek. The only reported sales we see up in Nebraska. We saw some fed cattle sell there at 129.75. The asking prices up north at 130 and higher. However, we don't see those kind of prices here down south. Feedlots reporting asking prices at 125 and better so far this week. Boxed beef prices steady to lower. Choice unchanged at 348.03. Select down a dollar fifty-seven, three seventeen eighty-three. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear my auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to head to Cameron. They're on the Little River in Milam County. Talk to Kenny Mingus. Kenny, how was your Friday sale? what we thought we'd have. We had 1642. Out of that mix, we had 170 cows, 14 bulls, 199 sellers, and 70 buyers. Let's walk the pins. All right, with the steer cattle, under 300, 120 to 220, 3 to 400 pound steers, 117 to 215, 4 to 500 pound steers, $1 and 207.50. And on over 500, 80 to $1.75. On the heifers, under 300, 110 to 210, 4 to 300 pound heifers, 105 to 172 and a half, 4 to 500 pound heifers, $1 and $1.61. And over 580 to $1.54. On the cows, about steady, uh, from 30 to 76. Uh, Packer bulls from 60 to 98. On the cow calf, uh, on the pairs, uh, from seven and a quarter to twelve twenty-five, and on the bread cows from three fifty to thirteen fifty. What do we anticipate for this next week? 
I think it's kind of getting in that time of year where we'll start selling a few kids. It didn't rain the spots around here, and some of these guys are kind of finishing up farming a little bit. Probably about what we've been running the last couple of weeks, I think. I had one guy call and said he had about 20 kids coming this week already this morning, and a couple of guys canceled last week because it was too wet. Right. I have a little set of cows coming. We have a little set of Angus cows, Angus plus cows. Be coming with their second calf. Should be bred to red Angus bulls. So okay. if, we get the, if we get those confirmed, uh, we will put them on Facebook. Got a few pictures of them, and a uh, nice little set of cows for anybody to put it back in their herd for sure. Good. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Catch that office from about 930 to 3, Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. We're available to receive cattle all day Thursday and Friday. Follow us on our webpage at milocountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Thank you, Kenny, and thank you, Texas neighbors, for coming down the lane and having a glass of iced tea with me. I'm Larry Marble for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Walking the Pens. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. October down 50 cents, 86.97. December hogs down 62 at 80.77. Class 3 milk was mixed. August milk up a penny, 1604 a hundredweight. September milk down a nickel, 1740 a hundred. The cotton market closed higher despite the fact that USDA's latest crop condition ratings released on Monday look very good. USDA pegging the crop at 71% good to excellent. That's close to a record. 75% good to excellent was the highest rating we've ever seen on a cotton crop, and that was way back in 1987. So despite the fact this crop looks really good, traders continue to take the market higher. October cotton up 122 points, 95.76. December up 82 points at 94.18 cents. Crop ratings for the corn crop, however, not looking so great. In fact, uh, they're falling. Uh, Each week we see lower crop ratings for this corn crop. That was definitely the case this week. That's helping to support prices a bit. September corn up 6.5, 5.44.5. December corn up 9.75, Not much happening in the wheat market on Tuesday. September Kansas City wheat unchanged, 7.04.25. New crop July wheat up one and a quarter, 708 and three quarters. Soft wheat in Chicago finishing lower. September down one and three quarters, 718 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down two and a quarter, 720 and a half. In the energy markets, September natural gas was down a nickel, 389. October crude oil up 208, 6772 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher on Tuesday. The Dow up 28 points, 35,363. The Nasdaq up 75 at 15,017. The S&P up 6 at 4,486. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.